My name is Rusty Mackey, and you're listening to The Art of Stability. Hello, everybody. I hope that you had a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. I've been gone for a skinny minute. I had a great time over Christmas with just my family here in Chattanooga. And then we piled all of the kids into the van and drove uh, all the way like 82 hours down to Florida. Uh, Spent some time with Rachel's family. It was wonderful, especially as all of you had snow up north. We were basking in the 80 degree weather uh, is insane down in Florida. Uh, But we're getting more back into a rhythm of having our regular shows coming up. We've got some great episodes this year for you. I'm really excited about them. And with that in mind, I love this conversation with Dan Hyun today. Dan is married to Judy with two lovely daughters, Deborah and Tabitha. Dan is the founding and lead pastor of the Village Church in Baltimore, Maryland, and he's a newly published author. Uh, Dan is a keen thinker and is a solid pastor to listen to on topics like cross-cultural ministry. I definitely encourage you to check out uh, his social media presence. In this conversation, Dan and I talk about the temptation to craft an online presence. We talk about the bombshell of both his brother's and daughter's leukemia diagnosis. And finally, we talk about the stabilizing power of just getting healthy. So stay with us and enjoy Control and Chaos with Dan Hyun. Dan, uh, one of the things that I've noticed about you just through our interactions over social media is that you really seem to have this self-awareness to you, not only your strengths, but also your weaknesses. And you're not shy about sharing those on social media, which I find to be a really tricky thing to navigate. And I really appreciate and value that about you. Uh, I would love to hear the story behind that has been kind of sharing your own personal growth and kind of your development of your story. Has that come naturally to you or has that been something that has been a a progress of you coming to that place? Well, I think I appreciate that, Rusty. That's really encouraging to know uh, someone can be blessed by some of my mess. But uh, (laughs) I think some of it is probably tied to my larger story where Mm -hmm. there's times, obviously, I wish I would have lived the perfect life and kind of uh, am able to put out their call, follow exactly as I do in every way, because I've got it all figured out. But that hasn't been Mm -hmm. my story, even in Mm -hmm. ministry, uh, but let alone life. Uh, Most of my journey, uh, most of my lessons have been found through a lot of brokenness, a lot of pain. Um, Mm -hmm. When you say self-awareness, that that means a lot to me, but it's also... uh, Reminded me, I've almost been forced to have to learn myself because I've seen a lot of my, maybe we can call toxicity or my hurt upon myself or others because I wasn't as aware, especially in my younger years. So I think I try to put a lot of value in those things and just being honest and that's try to be a hallmark of ministry as well. I'm not going to do well if I try to portray something I'm not, but um, not just glory in the hard things, but point to those as ways that God is working in me. And sometimes when I'm talking about hard things, hopefully also seeing the redemptive side of it, but just being real with the journey God has me on. 
Mm. I like the distinction you made there between this dynamic of needing to see them, but not glory in the hard things. You know, we also, we want uh, the weaknesses in our lives to point to Christ's strength. And we want to be sure to have that balance in that tension there. As you've kind of gone on that journey of embracing and being honest about that part of your story, how have you struck a balance in that tension of both acknowledging your own personal weaknesses, but also glorying in the strength of Christ in your story. Yeah. I think part of it, um, and it's probably tied to ministry philosophy as well. Um, I mean, our church is multi-ethnic in a, in a great way, but we do have at this point, which is a story in itself, but we have a good sizable portion of Asian Americans and mm. just in Asian culture, there is a heavy, um, when even when you think about the aspect of the gospel and honor-shame dynamic, which I think is actually becoming more prevalent even in the West, but even for Asian Americans who are raised in the West tend to operate out of that. So, in some ways, it's almost intentional uh, putting out there what does it mean to be uh, very real in a culture that celebrates almost hiding who you are and portraying yourself in a certain way, yeah. being able to model for those who struggle with that. Uh, because I think being real and transparent in some cultures, I almost joke that in, like, say, white America is almost too much. Sometimes it's almost glory. Put everything out there. I'm like, wow, some filters would be great. <laughs> but I think in some of my cultural background, it's almost the opposite. Mm. That's challenging to bring those things out. It feels like you can't bring that out, especially in a church context. So I think there's some intentionality behind that. But also, again, for myself, in trying to be real, uh, trying not to portray myself as better than I might be because the reality is someone's going to find out anyway. So might as well, you might as well own it, put it out there. But also, how is God always using that to point me back to my need for Christ? I've thought also for a while that the the shame honor piece of American Western civilized culture that we're kind of shifting in that direction as well. And I love also that you pointed out this dynamic of people oversharing especially online. And, and you just have to wonder, like, you know, do, do you have other people that you can share this with? Like, is this the best space to be doing that? Uh, so I would love to hear you speak a little more to that shame, honor, culture, specifically with how we uh, reveal ourselves. How, how do we reveal our real, authentic selves without just kind of jumping on the bandwagon of, making that another image thing for us. Does that question make sense? Yeah, I have to acknowledge, even as you say, you're encouraged to see how open I am. Part of self-awareness for me is recognizing I've always got particular filters and how I do that. Just like you were saying, portraying image that there's almost a way to honor yourself by a certain level of disclosure and transparency that realistically, there are some things I still will not share, but it's a safe love. And I think social media, for instance, um, I think I know there's pushback that's not real. I don't know about that, but I yeah. do think it's almost a safe place to be able to disclose yourself without really engaging in certain areas that are still deeper um, in your shame. Because, mm. you know, if we, if just to be real, if we do this enough, we get good enough in how we want to portray ourselves. Like we have, like with social media, our filters, we've got our filter to look real, to look honest, mm. look vulnerable, but still in a way that's in control. And I absolutely can do that. So as much as I might share online, 
I have to make it a priority that I've got probably not everyone, but a few people that I'm able to share some stuff that I will never put for public consumption or even in our larger church ministry. Yeah. You use that word control in there, right? So there's this dynamic of how we can portray ourselves where we feel in control. And I think what I hear you saying is it's so important to make sure that we have individuals, uh, groups of people where we can kind of come undone (laughs) in front of them, you know, where we can really say, I'm not in control of what's going on in my life right now. Am I hearing you correctly in that? Yeah. And that's one thing I think, uh, therapy, I'm a big fan of it just because it's survival for me. But one of the great things my therapy, uh, therapist has helped me to tease out is how my control can even be manifested in things that look like releasing control. For instance, letting people into some of the more broken parts of my life, but it's still very much controlled by me. There's no way I share everything in my life with everyone in our church, but I have two men in our church that I share almost everything with. And even there, there's filter, but as more than with anyone else. And one of them even remarked yesterday, because I was sharing some difficult things going on in life. He's like, I would have no idea looking at you that you have this going on. Like you're, you're pretty good at looking like you've got it under control. I'm like, absolutely. So even in sharing hard things, I have to be honest with how I'm trying to manipulate the appearance of that and having those relationships where people either know me enough or I trust them enough to be vulnerable to share this stuff that's not going out for everyone. What a challenging tightrope <laughs> that we have before us as really, I mean, we're all still learning how to navigate uh, what you said, the very real aspects of relating to people on social media. Uh, thanks. Thanks for sharing that with us uh, in regards to, you know, challenges, difficulties in life. Uh, do you have a story that you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, I think probably the thing that comes to my mind the most right now is just some of the uh, medical challenges our family has gone through over uh, almost coming up on two years now with first my brother uh, being diagnosed with leukemia, pretty serious. Um, and then my younger daughter, a few months after that, Tabitha, also diagnosed with leukemia. So we, uh, yeah, it's it's been crazy. So 2020 was difficult, but that added upon everything. And we're still walking through it in one sense. But almost tied to what we were talking about earlier, um, a lot of that journey has been done um, publicly just because of part of where I am in life. But also, I think me and my wife is the exact opposite. Like you would know very little of how she's processing because that's how she's wired for me. If I don't do that, I go crazy. So I need to do it somewhere. So there is a level of sharing. And this has been something I don't think I fully said. I'm probably still teasing it out and I'm probably still paying some of the cost of trying to see how this has worked in my life. But even in all that journey, I think a common sentiment I hear from some folk is, wow, you know, you're just so open with all this stuff. You're you're really, you know, you're letting us in and all that. I'm like, that's cool. But the reality is I'm manipulating that too. Because there is, and this is where the twisted nature of who we are, and I'm not saying it's all bad. Sure. But even in some of the worst situation I can imagine for our family, for my for myself, can even still use that to kind of craft an appearance. Mm-hmm. And this is going to sound twisted on, you got to stay with me though, but it was I'm almost a rush 
in the beginning of, especially my daughter's diagnosis and with my brother, because it almost felt like something to conquer, something to kind of put out there and, and have a nice redemption story and be able to talk about how God works in all this. And I think one of the hardest things has been to finally start to realize this is, it's not, it's just there. And as much as I want to put a story behind it or give lessons and the preacher in me comes out trying to find lessons and tie it up in a bow, mm. um, I think the biggest challenge has been just sitting in a life that's just not ideal. And, and honestly, it's be- much better right now, but especially last year, that was just terrible. Like it was yeah. just terrible. The exact opposite of almost the American dream, like everything is bad and not knowing how to navigate that. And if you talk about that control thing, maybe some of the narration outside to other people, that was kind of in my control, but even that started to realize all of this is out of my control. Yeah. When you talk about the desire, especially early on for that redemption story. And and by the way, just thank you for sharing uh, such a painful story with me, also one that is still ongoing. So thank you for your vulnerability there. Uh, With that desire for, man, I'm, I'm hoping this is redemption story and where are the lessons? Where would you say the point came where it transitioned for you from okay, maybe this is going to wrap up in a redemption story sooner than I think to the point of realizing, oh, this is just here and I have to hold it. Was there a moment where that came? I don't know if there was a specific moment, Rusty, but I'll say it's been a gradual kind of, and this is, this is just going to sound really bleak. If you don't know my outset that I believe in the hope of the gospel, ultimately that God wins, I believe all that. So just hear this in context of that. But I think my theology of the brokenness of this side of glory has just become much more pronounced. Like um, Ecclesiastes has never been more real. I mean, I always read it. I always believed it. I'm like, but there's kind of like, it's pointing to Christ eventually. But if you read it, you're kind of like, no, it doesn't. It's like, this is life. I think one thing I was saying to someone is before all this happened, I Humanly, I think I was getting to a pretty good point in life, like in all different areas, and it mm-hmm. just like all blew up. Um, and I think even in the midst of that, I'm trying to. This is the talk or this is some of my uh, psychotic side. Like the busier, the crazier get. I'm looking for more to do because I'm still trying to fix stuff. And I'm ultimately, getting to a point where realizing this is this might just be what it is. And I can't, I, I probably wrote it down somewhere, but I, I remember there was a moment when I felt just sitting with the Lord and saying, what, do, what are you going to do if this is just life forever? Because, you know, doctors have given you hopefully an end date, but what if this is just it? And there are plenty yeah. of people that's their life. Hmm. And there is no, on this side of glory, there's no kind of nice Disney ending. This is just what you walk with till, till the end. Hmm. That's really hard because yeah. I'm a fixer. I want to fix it. I was preaching through Jonah um, last or this earlier this summer. I'm, I'm losing track of all time, but um, just being reminded the one when, you know, when Jonah was in the um, belly of the fish and just worshiping God, just that point being in these hard times, we start to recognize the sanctuary takes on a different feel where I like yeah. a sanctuary to be a sanctuary where it is like worship of God and all but in the midst of these very difficult, dark times, often our sanctuaries take on a different form. And for me personally, it was 
my sanctuary became a middle of a hospital room where we're, we're just in there for weeks mm. and there's no escape from it. And it's just terrible. Mm. But probably some of my more heartfelt prayer I, and not pretty prayer, just like sometimes the groans that we talk about, the utterances. I felt like I understood some of the spirit led groans and utterances that we can't put our words around just with the futility of life. And, and there is no answer per se. Obviously, I know theology, like God's got it all controlled. He's working it all out for it. It just doesn't feel like that mm-hmm. at the moment. But I think here's what, I, realizing it might never feel like that fully, at least in the way I would desire during this physical life. And it's, pay, again, I, I wish I could say I'm the other end of it, and uh, but it's just... I think coming to grips with that, but you also get a much more embodied sense of the presence of Christ with us. Yeah. I think it's not just to empower us to do good stuff, but it's actually sitting with us when we feel pretty useless. And I, I mean, I felt more useless in the past couple of years than probably any time. And that's hard for me who probably idolizes being needed and being useful. Yeah. And being a fixer, like you said, as well, you know, I, man, I, I just I hear in what you're sharing that, preacher dan is like okay let's go where's the redemption where are the lessons like i'm gonna i'm gonna help other people through (laughs) through this example in this moment in my life but as you were describing that the kind of transition that i heard is okay preacher dan is kind of transitioning and sitting in the hospital room as uh, as a son of god the father as a brother to your brother, as a husband, as a father. And rather than teaching lessons, you're learning these lessons. Yeah. If I'm hearing you correctly. This lesson of, yeah, it's not just Jesus empowering me to go and do, but it is Jesus with me. And it's me well, wrestling with Jesus. Absolutely. And this has been a real hard lesson, I would think, Rusty, but I think that's the, mm-hmm. the purpose of your ministry in this podcast. So it's all good here. But yeah, yeah. I think we often, I know I live under this narrative, but I think a lot of sometimes Western evangelicalism as well, maybe, that, uh, you know, God's using it all. God uses all the hurt, all the darkness, all the pain. And what we absolutely believe he does. I think how he does, that's, that's I'm, I think I'm in formation of what that looks like. So part of how I'm, I would normally view things, yeah, man, we've had a hard year and a half of just craziness. But man, God, he's a God who can multiply bread and fish and bring. So he's going to take the little that I was able to do and just multiply the impact so much more than anything I could ever do, which I absolutely believe. I I do believe that. I mean, we believe in the Lord who is resurrected. So you have to believe that. But what I'm thinking I'm coming to grips Mm -hmm. with now is I believe all the second Corinthians 12 stuff. I believe all the, our, our weakness is his strength. But I'm seeing the real consequence of me not being able to do stuff for the past year and a half, like relationships being affected, ministry effectiveness. And, you know, everyone is incredibly gracious. No one's like holding over my head. Hey, look how you've fallen short and how you've been. But I'm not even being humble or false. It's like genuinely things have dropped and things are not as good as they could have been. And productivity and our church suffered and all the end. A lot of relational breakdowns. I'd be mean, just to be fully honest, because I was stretched too thin. Yeah. And that's that's not I don't I, I believe God's working in it. 
But it's not this idea, yeah, you know, you had nothing to give, but God could do so much more than even if you gave it all. No, actually, I think I would have done more if I was able to fully do it. (laughs) Just to be real, just to be real. But trusting that what God can do that might be absent to our eyes is actually more powerful, but it's just so countercultural that it's just can't even envision what that looks like. I feel like I'm probably in that space right now. I wish I had the lesson to give, but I feel like I'm right in the middle of that right now. Yeah. And I love your honesty in that, you know, that is, I mean, I hear faith. <laughs> like I don't even see clearly what the Lord is doing. And I may never see clearly what the Lord has done in all this, but there is a faith and there's a trust and there's a hope, as you said, uh, hope in the gospel while also recognizing, man, life is brutal. Life is brutal. I'm I'm really interested to hear, given just the intensity, I think that's the word that's coming to mind for me, a really intense season for you. And you mentioned some of the intensity in your relationship with the Lord in the hospital, you know, just crying out some of the more honest prayers. But I'm curious in the midst of the intensity, I think we could even use the word trauma <laughs> that you and your family have experienced. Uh, how are you currently staying grounded in your relationship with Jesus? Uh, what have been some some practices that have maybe carried you through these difficult times? Yeah, I think there have been a few things. So one, um, I, I think early on in my daughter's illness, it was actually, um, it was a good kind of convergence of different factors time. But right when Tabby got diagnosed for her leukemia, I got a medical report back from my own doctor saying your health is really bad. And I think this mm-hmm. was from some stuff earlier in the year that Tabby was sick with something else and just some bad habits. I'm really overweight, not exercising. And he gave me some numbers saying this is really bad. And I remember my wife telling me at that time, you cannot get sick too, because I cannot, we just cannot handle this if you get sick as well. So it was kind of a mm-hmm. good wake up moment. I mean, I've, I don't know how long I've had conviction. I need to get healthier. I need to get healthier. But that was kind of like a come to Jesus moment. You need to get healthier because it's not just about you. Mm-hmm. So just getting on the journey of feeling when, I mean, feel again, control, it's probably an idol for me, but feeling like things are out of control. What can I control or at least have some say in oh. I, I can't control a cancer, but I can control uh, how rhythms of just, and again, just it's like Christianity 101, but just like morning devotions, which I mean, I've, I think I've always done, but really looking to them as something to give me some grounding. Like this is something to look forward to every morning that's yeah. going to give me some consistency when everything feels chaotic, uh, exercise rhythm. So kind of a holistic view of health. Um, just taking much more seriously at what I'm consuming into my body, what I'm exercising in um, relationally as well, just having very um, almost very rhythmic connections with uh, both professionals, but also closer relationally uh, friends just yeah. eating. So I think I've had to set up different ways of just walking and some kind of consistency. And again, that can always get blown up, but as much as I'm able to control some things that will Again, not for the sake of trying to control life, but put me in a place to be in a healthier place when things are not out of my control. Um, so I think that's been, I think those have been some of the more helpful things. And the reality is it's not even feeling good in it. And I think that's something that's been really good for me because I've, I'm a big feeler. So usually going by what makes me feel good, I'm not feeling good through a lot of that. 
but just yeah. saying, but you've got to do this because you need something that you can kind of ground yourself in. And some of those practices have been really beneficial. Mm. So when life has become out of control, you know, again, we've kind of been using the word control in a negative sense in this conversation thus far, but, but in a very positive way, uh, how can I go back to the basics? Yeah. The things that I can control, uh, spiritual health with the Lord, word and prayer, um, physical health with exercise, relational health uh, with some close, trustworthy friends. And I appreciate you sharing as well. I think it's very realistic. I think it's very human uh, to say, yeah, a lot of that doesn't feel good. But realizing like it's medicine, (laughs) it's medicine for my soul. I need it. So I'm curious in that, how have you experienced Jesus. So it hasn't necessarily always felt good, but can you kind of give us a glimpse into how Jesus has met you in going back to those basics? Yeah, I, I think, well, I think part of it, um, more specifically, say for time in the scriptures or uh, through prayer, for instance, but probably more mainly just on, on the scriptures, for instance, I think trying to read it really with eyes of where I'm at in life. And again, the scriptures are what they are. We don't read into them our life. But I think I've almost used that as an excuse not to really allow them to speak into the reality of, of brokenness. And uh, whether it's issues of justice, whether it's issues of the pain of the world, all, all things going on, and just more personal pain, just giving much different glimpses on things I've read. I don't know how many times. I don't know how many times in the past year I've read something. I'm like, that, that cannot be in the Bible. I, I've read this. I know I've read this before. That cannot, where the heck was that? It's, it's not just a different translation. Like I never saw that before, or at least I never read it in that way before. And I think trying to intentionally ask the spirit before I would ever engage in these practices, Lord, I just don't feel that right now, but would you give me eyes to see what you want me to see? Let me not shield myself off. Let me engage the wholeness of how I've been created, that this is also all part of me. And bring that into um, not just make it an academic exercise of trying to learn more from what the Bible's telling me, but really how are you speaking words of life through that that speak into the brokenness maybe where the world or I'm I'm currently in. Mm, so good, Dan. <laughs> so good. As you come to the Lord in his word with that prayer to the Holy Spirit of help me not shield myself off right? Help help me to bring my whole self into this moment and experience with you. What is that experience like for you personally? Does that have any kind of thoughts or feelings attached to it for you? I think it's, it's just being much more real. Um, And I mean, you, you, you touched on earlier, I think part of, um, I would hope something that embodies me is, is, I mean, it's better than being fake, right? But I think I tend to be pretty honest, but I also realized even, again, some of the honesty, it's still crafted, but mm-hmm. uh, almost asking the Spirit to bring down those walls fully, even if it's just me and the Lord. Uh, because even with all the great doctrine, God sees everything, God knows everything, still recognizing how I don't fully open myself up to almost an exploration of my soul from the Spirit yeah. of God and yeah. and just intentionally. and. God's God. He'll do whatever he wants. But I think there's, I think embodying more this sense of giving the Lord permission sounds really wrong. I, I just can't uh-huh. think of a better word, but uh-huh. search me, Lord. 
You know, that idea of search me, Lord, because I don't think God ever forces anything upon us. There's a certain sense we've got to say, Lord, I desire to be searched. I desire to be investigated in a sense and for your truth and light to peer into those things. Because, you know, in my tradition, I view time with the Lord, not academically so much, but more information accumulation, like acquiring more knowledge, which is good. Maybe what do I not know? Like what, what, what's missing in me? What's, what's shattered? What's, what's dark? And Lord, how are you going to help me to see those things and show me continued redemptive hope that comes in you? This is really resonating with me. I've, I've just been thinking a lot over this past week, actually, about this, um, this integrity of self-honesty. You know, I, I think a lot of times we can, in our culture, talk about self-awareness. But we can do that, as we've already talked about, kind of with this crafting of an image and really like, what does God want? Like exactly what you said, you know, like in the Psalms, like search me, oh God, show me if there's any, you know, misguided way in me, any grievous way in me. Like God, God wants to search our hearts, but I love what you said that he doesn't force that on us. He waits for us to open ourselves up to him in that. Uh, Yeah. So for those who maybe are realizing like, man, I thought I was honest with myself. It turns out I'm not. It turns out I play all these games with God um, and I don't want to do that anymore. How would you encourage them from your own story and journey towards just a a brazen, uh, I'm safe to be honest (laughs) with where I am with God? Yeah. I think some of it is, and this, this, I don't know how this is going to come across, but I think we're, uh, sometimes if I notice our Christian culture right now, we almost talk about accountability as an, as a solution. And mm-hmm. I think we're seeing more and more evidences of, it really doesn't matter who you have in your life. Because if you want to fool them, you will absolutely fool them. Because mm-hmm. we, you know, even our churches, I know I've preached it, like you need to find some people and that's going to keep you more, I think, if anything, some of what and somewhat related to what you're saying, Rusty, is like, I need to truly fear God and not yeah. fear as in a, a being afraid of him. And that might be part mm-hmm. of it, but more recognize he sees everything and stop trying to pull the wool over other people's eyes, which is how I've lived a lot of my life. There is a false self. And I've brought that into God without even being cognizant of it. So what does it mean to just be but honest with the Lord um, and usually we think of that like David and the Psalms, like I'm angry. No, just like yeah. stuff that like we we know is us, but we somehow feel like this filter between God and just recognize He sees it all. That's the that's the sweetness of the gospel. He sees it all, and His favor is upon us in Christ. So like live in that, step into that. And what I've found, and I've had multiple people tell me this is like they just feel I'm much more real with them than I ever was. Mm. through all this because there's just I'm, maybe some of it also getting old and crusty i just don't care anymore and i think that's <laughs> a trauma that does to you you just don't care what you look like mm-hmm. and i i think having that posture with god kind of living with the fear of the lord and, and god willing is leading in a path of wisdom and but that does start to translate into others as well because you know if we're bringing that to god we're obviously going to bring that to other people as well so um, one, one practice kind of more spiritual practice based I've, yeah. is just, um, personal time away. 
um, mm-hmm. especially as it's been so hard. And I felt really guilty about this because I've got a kid with cancer. My wife is drowning. Yeah. Yeah. My, is, and she almost had to force me to say, you need to go away because you're not doing well right now. This is not good for anyone. And just mm-hmm. I felt guilty. And a lot of my life has been letting guilt. But I went away, just got somewhere near the shore and off season and just spent the week reading, exercising, eating, fasting, praying, like different things. And just realizing sometimes there's so much noise. Um, but And I know it's a privileged position to even say to be able to do that. But if you have the means or the abilities in life, uh, just finding some way to create some kind of space to just engage God. Because what I saw was that you definitely can see God when it's crazy and chaotic, but that can't be the norm. There, there's also got to be other uh, space that's intentionally carved out to be able to be in a place where it just you get some quietness, some solitude to be able to hear from uh, the Spirit of the Lord. Such a valuable piece of advice. And, you know, as I just think of this whole conversation, kind of starting with that tendency, even in our vulnerability to craft an image and you use the word manipulation a handful of times, you know, that that really that starts with us manipulating ourselves (laughs) and a lack of self-honesty before the Lord. But as you've shared, uh, really, you know, I mean, it kind of sounds like a redemption story (laughs) in a way (laughs) as you shared this, uh, becoming more honest with yourself before the Lord, others are experiencing you as being more honest and more real than ever before. And, and still in process, still figuring it out, but, but I'm just, I'm incredibly grateful for uh, you, for how you are continuing to process what you're living through so hard. I can't even comprehend what that's like for you. Um, But I'm just, I really value you and just know that we'll be praying for Tabby, be praying for your brother, praying for you all. Um, Yeah. And, if you're comfortable sharing any ways that we can pray specifically, I think that would be very appropriate. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is just really giving thanks to the Lord because we've asked for a lot of prayer from people. And um, uh, my brother, he's, he's post transplant and seems to be doing well. And and my daughter is in uh, what they call maintenance phase. So there's no remission at that age, but the goal right now is to try to keep the cancer away and just uh, officially treatment would God willing, if it goes the way it's supposed to be done around next June, um, that's one thing I just didn't know how long childhood cancer was. It's been a a wake up call for me. So, but she's every every time I want to complain, I also have to give thanks that she's doing about as well. And my brother's doing about as well as we could hope. So that's a good thing. So just thanking God for that and just praying for continued mercy as we go forward. Yeah, absolutely. Honored to pray with you and for your family. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your life with us today, Dan. Appreciate you, Rusty. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Be sure to check out Dan on Twitter and also pick up his new book today, The Bible in 52 Weeks for Men. Both of those links will be in the show notes. And hey, I wanted to let you know over at Steadfast Ministries, I'm starting a brand new offering this year with three-day soul care intensives. Uh, If you as an individual or you and your significant other are desiring some change, maybe you're going through some hard 
hard things. Maybe you're either starting a new season or ending a season. Maybe you just need space to really deal with some hard questions. Uh, Soul Care Intensive might be a really good thing for you. You can come hang out with me in a beautiful space and we can really dig into what's going on in your soul and Lord willing, see some lasting change. Uh, For those of you who are faithful listeners, if you reach out to me about that, I'll add a link in the show notes for how to do that. Be sure to let me know that you heard it on the podcast and I will be happy to give you a discount on the price. Again, thanks for joining me today. The Art of Stability cover art was created by Brian Bim, music created and performed by Rob Main, and the music was recorded and produced by the Asterisk Company. I really hope you're enjoying these episodes. If you are, please consider sharing them so that more folks can join us next time for the Art of Stability.